1: Welcome to the three martini lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three martinis coming up. It is Monday and we're glad you're here on the three martini lunch. Your stool is ready for you. We've got good, bad and crazy martinis here. And Jim, I have to give you credit. This is a very creative framing of our good martini today. (laughs) This is uh, not necessarily what you would normally want in our good martini here, but, uh, Nonetheless, Jim sees a a positive uh, development in how Minneapolis is going insane here. This is from uh, WCCO, the CBS affiliate in Minnesota. The Minneapolis City Council voted unanimously today, meaning Friday, to begin the process of finding a new model for safety in the city in the aftermath of the death of George Floyd and the ensuing civic unrest. The council's resolution calls for community engagement and research over the span of a year, They say that would include community discussion, healing, and reconciliation. Quote, the city council will commence a year-long process of community engagement, research, and structural change to create a transformative new model for cultivating safety in our city. Jim, that word salad sounds delicious, but uh, as you see it here, they're playing this out. This isn't, uh, you know, police are gone tomorrow. Uh, We don't want you people doing your job starting Monday at 8 a.m. or something like that. You figure that this is more bureaucratic than knee-jerk in some ways. For those of us who have watched politics for a very long time, what is the
0: ultimate way for a politician who is caught in a difficult situation and has a thorny issue where no solution is gonna make anybody happy. What, what is the go-to move when you are in a, in a position of responsibility and you find yourself in that, in that uh, tweet caught between a rock and a hard place? My fellow citizens, I'm calling for the establishment of a Blue Ribbon Commission to study the issue and come back to us with best practice recommendations. It's a way of punting. It is a way of kicking the can down the road. It is a way of delaying making a decision. And of course, the other thing which makes Blue Ribbon Commissions useful It's a way of deferring responsibility. For a long time, the classic example of this was entitlement reform where your basic options were we can either, you know, cut benefits, raise taxes, some combination of both. Uh, Those of us who are the free market minded might say, oh, you know, individual accounts might be a good idea. But most of those ideas are very unpopular. So the way politicians could say is, well, I'm gonna have a blue ribbon commission. It's never yellow ribbon, it will come home. It's never any other color ribbon. It's the blue ribbon, it's the very best. The best of the best will study it and they'll give us recommendations and then Theoretically, it creates cover for the politician to say, well, look, even if you don't like the idea, this blue ribbon panel of experts says that this is a right expert. Well, the new blue ribbon commission is, quote, a year-long process of community engagement, research, and structural change. This is their way of saying, we insist upon defunding the police, but we have no idea how to make that work. (laughs) They recognize they can't do this tomorrow. They recognize that there's no structure in place. No, By the way, as we discussed last week, If you want to do the Camden model, well then you're not actually defunding the police, what you're doing, you could argue you're reforming the police. What you're doing is de-unionizing the police. You're eliminating certain perks and you are actually expanding the size of the police, which, you know, those of us who, you know, there are quite a few people who might say, oh, okay, when you said defund the police, I didn't know you meant expand the size of the police force. That sounds like the opposite, I'm on board with that. So anyway, I think this is the moment where the Minneapolis City Council hit reality, and they suddenly like, oh wait, if we, if we actually go ahead and do this, we have no idea what replaces it, and we end up with something like, you know, Bartertown Town in Seattle. So they've decided this is, you know, we're, this is a way of buying themselves a year, and we'll see what the public attitudes are in a year. In a year, they may have legislation. If it ends up being something like Candid, I think there are a whole bunch of people across the spectrum who might say, okay. Certainly has been conservatives insisting the police unions have to stay in place. Certainly has been conservatives saying, no, oh, no, what we need are more and stronger you know, public sector unions. So I look at this and I see this as actually, this is a quiet surrender on their part. This is a way of kicking the can down the road and hoping that a year from now, they can make some sort of milder reform and you know the public will either not notice or not be nearly as upset with them for accepting some sort of compromise that keeps a police force in some form on the streets of Minneapolis.
1: Jim, you've heard of beer summits, right? Uh, <laughs> We have now coffee mug politics. Uh, Minneapolis City Council Vice President Andrea Jenkins saying, quote, we have to be concerned about the unity, the safety of the city of Minneapolis. This is our moment, this is our time. So in the words of my coffee mug, let's make it happen.
0: Does the coffee mug actually make anything happen? In the
1: words of my coffee mug, world's best boss, is that what we're doing our 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 uh, our hot coffee mug slogans okay i guess so now we got to figure out you know what, what sugar and, and creamer and uh, what all those uh, metaphors In the words are.
0: of my coffee mug caution hot
1: right, on to 4Patriots. Fantastic sponsor. Find them at 4Patriots.com slash Martini. Uh, The great deal going on right now, the free solar panel that comes with the purchase of the Patriot Power Generator 2000X and of course their ongoing deal, free shipping on orders over $97. The key is to be prepared. Uh, You don't know when your power is going out. When you're prepared, you don't have to wait for the power company to turn the the juice back on and your appliances can be running while everybody else is waiting on pins and needles. The new uh, Patriot Power Generator 2000X has double the capacity uh, and is expandable so you can run the big appliances. Comes with 12 outlets, including 4AC plus 2 USB C outlets. They can charge your phone 20 times faster. Also, don't forget about the uh, deals that are ending soon. Uh, the solar go fridge, the sauna wrap therapeutic blanket, and so much more. Visit 4 martini to get your Patriot Power Generator 2000X with the free solar panel included. Plus, get free shipping on orders over $97. Save more and get peace of mind now by going to the number fourpatriotscom martini. That's 4 martini. All right, Jim, let's keep talking about the police because one of the first things that they did in Minnesota was end the relationship between the Minneapolis Police Department and the schools. No more resource officers. Then the city of Portland, no surprise, got on the bandwagon. They've ended their relationship with the police and school resource officers. Now it's Denver. In a unanimous vote Thursday night, this is the Denver CBS affiliate, the Denver Public Schools Board of Education agreed to remove school resource officers from schools. The vote ends the district's contract with the Denver Police Department. According to the resolution, DPS will reduce the number of school resource officers by 25% before the end of this year and will remove all school resource officers from schools no later than June 4th, 2021. DPS Superintendent Susana Cordova tells CBS4 the vote is final unless the board proposes and votes on something different down the line. Over at U.S. News & World Report, which still exists apparently. Uh, They say school districts across the country are considering eliminating contracts with local police departments and ending the use of school resource officers, meaning that these three cities could be the tip of the iceberg, Jim. And this seems highly irrational. And Jim, Denver. Denver is a major city that has a suburb called Littleton, which has a high school called Columbine that I believe did not have a resource officer in 1999 if there's any community that should be looking to make sure that the schools are protected, it ought to be the Denver area.
0: Yeah. So I'm looking at another story from a local television station. Um, There's a father named John Castillo. John Castillo's son Kendrick died last year when the senior tried to save his classmates from two shooters who started firing inside the STEM school Highlands Ranch. And unsurprisingly, he is not happy about this decision. Um, And he says, look, you know, if the minority community feels that's a problem, there are other ways around that, removing all safety and security together is not the answer. The, the quote that he just jumps out here that I figure a lot of parents' minds will go to is, you know, if a kid gets killed, they're gonna apologize and slide back into the darkness. They're not here to represent these families, I am. Now look, it, you know, they said, the Denver public school system said that they're still gonna have police for uh, dances, extracurricular activities, they'll still be part of that community. So together we have to be able to redefine what that relationship looks like. What a uh, What a perfectly meaningless blather (laughs) from official to, that's right up there with Blue Ribbon Commission. We work together to redefine what our relationship looks like. Look, either the cops are there in school or not, but it's possible that some schools don't need them. It's one of those things where you kind of would feel comfortable if these decisions were being made on a case-by-case basis, based upon the security needs of the school. Have they had lots of incidents? Have they had any reason to worry about violence on campus? You know, I'm I'm entirely open to the suggestion that certain schools either don't need police very much at all or don't need police on a regular basis, fine. The fact that this is all being done in response to a police brutality caught on video in Minneapolis and then a police shooting in Atlanta and various other incidents like that, we know now this is not being done based on the decisions of the police in these schools. This is being done in response to national protests. This is being done in response to outside criteria and that's uh, deeply frustrating. Look, maybe there'll be no consequence to this. Maybe it's not actually gonna do much to prevent uh, violence in schools. Maybe those cops really weren't necessary to be there. But I'd like this decision to be made on, you know, based upon the needs of those schools and probably ideally in conjunction with the parents in conjunction with other members of the community to say, hey, do you think we need school, you know, cops on campus or not? Of course, some of us learned, you know, we also learned from Parkland that uh, having a cop on campus cannot necessarily prevent the worst case scenario. So, uh, you know, maybe this is the right decision, but it feels like they're making it probably for the wrong reasons. And the worst case scenario that could come out of this could be very dire and tragic indeed.
1: Absolutely right. Yes, if you're going to have a school resource officer, they need to actually, you know, do something, unlike Scott Peterson. Um, It does say here in this U.S. news story that some folks have been concerned about unequal treatment of Black students by officers in the schools and that Black children allegedly are disciplined more often and more severely and white children uh, which may be true I, I certainly don't know the research Jim but uh, I do find it curious that as you pointed out there wasn't much of a movement to do this no major metropolitan area had done this until until the protests so, yeah I mean this between
0: this and what we've seen it you know newspapers and lots of other institutions it feels like people are trying to get in front of the woke mob uh, before they can be you know, pulled out and, and turned into you know the, the target du jour on social media. Look what we're doing. Look what we've done. See, we're being, we're being you know, proactive. See, we're being safe. And there's a whole bunch of solutions running around looking for problems. Now look, if you have a situation in which cops are harassing African-American students in a school, yes, absolutely. That is a you know, grade A problem that needs to be addressed. You'd like to see the principals, the teachers, the people at the schools making this decision because this feels like a, uh, a bunch of elected officials being terrified of what could happen between now and November. Uh, If, you know, they end up in the wrong side of the social justice warrior mob.
1: With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
0: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time.
1: (gasps) No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case,
0: I pronounce you Lucky.
1: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, Jim, let's go to our crazy martini now here, because uh, speaking of woke warriors who uh, don't walk the talk, let's talk about a double-fisted Bill de Blasio crazy martini here. First of all, the big picture. This is uh, from the city. Over the last two weeks, Mayor Bill de Blasio and others have voiced concerns that packed police brutality protests across the city could trigger a new wave of COVID-19 infections. Whether or not that's the case, however, remains unknown, and de Blasio's team won't be directly trying to find out. The hundreds of contact tracing workers hired by the city under de Blasio's new test and trace campaign have been instructed not to ask anyone who's tested positive for COVID-19, whether they recently attended a demonstration. City Hall confirmed to the city. Quote, no person will be asked proactively if they attended a protest. Avery Cohen, a spokesperson for de Blasio, wrote in an emailed response to questions. Instead, test and trace workers ask COVID positive individuals general questions to help them, quote, recall contacts and individuals they may have exposed. Among the initial questions, do you live with Anyone in your home, or have you been within six feet of another person for at least 10 minutes? Not to be outdone, de Blasio himself is making news on the COVID front. Uh, This is a tweet from Julia Marsh, New York Post City Hall Bureau Chief, quote, New York City Mayor, meaning de Blasio, said several weeks ago he'd get tested for COVID, but still hasn't, and now he's out sick. He doesn't believe he has COVID, per Freddie Goldstein, because of his symptoms and is not planning on getting tested. And Freddie Goldstein is the press secretary for de Blasio. So, uh, Jim, this mayor just keeps covering himself in glory. I guess the only good part of this is that every time he's in public now, he's getting booed by people of every race and creed. So what do you make of his latest uh, accomplishments here?
0: Well, Greg, for starters, we should give credit where it's due. He is a uniter, not a divider. No matter where you stand on the issues, you can find a reason to dislike Bill de Blasio. So a lot, a decent amount to unpack here. The first is that, so as I wrote in today's Morning Jolt, kind of building upon something I wrote Friday afternoon, so far, I noticed the emphasis and maybe even underline in red the word so far, we're not seeing significant outbreaks of the coronavirus because of the protests. And, uh, you know, the first, I mean, you've, you've seen, I try to keep track of, you know, there are a couple of cases, you got a, a police officer tested positive here, protesters here and there, National Guardsmen here and there. Um, but if you look at the cities where they had significant large crowds, and ones that certainly I looked at, was like, oh, that looks like a really bad sign. Um, and then other folks like Anthony Fauci said, yeah, these are the kind of crowds where the virus can spread more easily. We haven't seen a huge spike in these cities. Um, and there's been some testing that's going on. The University of Washington did some testing of folks up in Seattle. Fewer than 1% of the 3,000 test- protesters they did came back positive. Good sign. Uh, Over in Minneapolis, they did about 500-some tests, 1.4% infection rate. Um, So, so far, it looks like uh, whether you want to credit it to enough people wearing masks, the fact that most of the protesters are probably on the younger side, sunlight, being outside, uh, whatever reasoning you want to say there, okay, it's not spreading there so far based upon what we've seen. Remember, the incubation rate is about five days in the median, stretches out to about 14 days in the most extreme cases. So far, we are not seeing a significant outbreak, at least based upon the first week or so of protests, and that's good news. However, this assumes that you know city health officials in these places are looking for, death, for positive tests from uh, from the protests. And look, this is not happening in a vacuum. We had several weeks of the you know end the lockdowns protests, which we were uh, assured by many voices in the media that, that was killing grandma. And these were unbelievably reckless, et cetera, et cetera. And then the George Floyd protests began. And because figures like Bill de Blasio and lots of other elected lawmakers are afraid of crossing these crowds because they think it's really important to stay on the good side of these crowds. They suddenly got very quiet when it came to the possibility of spreading them at these, at these, uh, at these events. So you know, is it that they're not spreading the virus or how hard are these cities looking? And this, this example from the New York City, uh, you know, there's no reason city health officials should not be looking for this. Like, if your job is to track and trace where people could have spread it, why would you suddenly say, oh, I'm not interested in that activity? What's that? You're, you're around a lot of people and shouting and singing and you're within six feet. That has no interest to us whatsoever. It's ridiculous. It's very transparent that de Blasio is afraid of finding this. Um, but again, you know, to give credit where it's due, if you want to say, good heavens, Bill de Blasio is being unbelievably reckless with his city policies. You know, Greg, he's not being a hypocrite because he's being incredibly reckless with his personal policies as well. He himself is willing to ignore health action. We don't know what his symptoms are. Maybe he's got some symptom that's completely different from this. But uh, it is a little bit unusual. And when an elected leader says, I'm gonna get tested, I'm gonna get tested, weeks past and he hasn't gotten tested. I mean, if it wasn't Bill de Blasio, we'd be surprised by that, wouldn't we, Greg? <laughs> but by this point, we're like, yeah, okay, he probably he's probably breaking into the YMCA and doing his workouts too, for all we you
1: know. Oh man. At least he's been consistently awful but uh,
0: yes exactly he doesn't he doesn't get one right once in a while to throw us off
1: that's certainly the case Jim enjoy the rest of your Monday and we'll see you again tomorrow see you tomorrow Jim Garrity of National Review I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America thanks so much for being with us today and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast if you don't already leave us a kind review get us on those home devices by saying play three martini lunch podcast and we'll see you tomorrow on the Tuesday edition of the three martini lunch